damn it, how long have we been doing this show? You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. This is episode 198 here in the second to third week of May. I'm Liam. And I'm Cal. Cal, you're not the usual person who hosts the wrestling show with me. No, I'm not. Well, uh, our usual host, Ethan, is uh, he's on assignment, so to speak. He's uh, writing uh, recaps of New Japan shows that air at 3 in the morning, uh, Eastern Standard Time. And between that and some of his other writing work this week, he just didn't have time to record. But I thought, hey, I got another podcast. We talk about cartoons. Why don't I get that guy? So here you are. So here I am. <laughs> to be I'm clear, though, to uh, just for the, the listener at home, you're a, you are also a long-term wrestling fan. We're brothers, by the way. Cal's my brother. Um, and uh, Fabe and real life brothers. Fabe and real life. Yeah, this isn't a Anuai uh, family. Uh, this this is an actual <laughs> blood relation. Uh, here's what I usually say at the start of every week: We have so much to talk about. And there's so much we can't talk about. Did I get that Correct. right? Correct. Well done. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it was, there was so much going on that even with Ethan not being able to do a show this week, I felt that all that, that we have to talk about here really wouldn't be worth talking about next week. And I wanted to talk about it. So here we are doing a show. And I, I thank you very much, Cal, for, for filling in here. Uh, this Sunday is the Money in the Bank pay-per-view event, the first show since WrestleMania. I guess big picture, Cal, how are you feeling about this show? Are you excited to watch it? Uh, I guess just big picture thoughts so far. Um, so based on the last several weeks of television, of which I have watched zero minutes of, <laughs> uh, if I'm being completely honest, I've seen maybe a clip here or there of, on YouTube, which... Ironically, uh, they stopped adding stuff to YouTube. So have been watching live television. Uh, but based on the fact that uh, the storylines seem to just be on repeat, a copy-paste repeat, and nothing of note other than the F- Firefly Funhouse uh, has been any sort of interesting, uh, I don't have much excitement for this pay-per-view, which is sad because this is like... Oh, other than the other the main four pay-per-views, yeah. this is the gimmick of the Money in the Bank match is always entertaining and is always something to look forward to because at least in the past, the person that wins the Money in the Bank, you have great faith then that the WWE might be making a new star. They might be taking things in a brand new direction. But based on the way that things have gone as of late, and I would say the booking over the last, I don't know, three years i have zero zero faith that anything good is going to come out of this pay-per-view but i will be there on sunday night watching it anyway that isn't that just the the battered wife syndrome of a of a wrestling fan in 2019 (laughs) you're a wwe fan that's uh that's a pretty good metaphor for it but yeah i guess we've talked about this before on past shows i mean you and i haven't but you know what i mean i'm gonna say i know that's the pronoun i'm gonna use um (laughs) Uh, that Money in the Bank, as you mentioned, used to sort of be this, like, it felt like a changing of the guard moment. You think about, like, Edge and Rob Van Dam and uh, The Miz. Don't talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. But, uh, you know, there there are some star-making moments. You know, it's usually a pretty exciting thing. But then there's also examples of guys like Baron Corbin or Braun Strowman winning the briefcases or Randy Orton, where they sort of, instead of choosing to make a new guy, sort of just uh, boost up an existing guy. And I guess we can get into this as we're starting to get into the show, but it does feel like people just don't quite know what to expect from Money in the Bank anymore. 
because they kind of it's not it's not a guaranteed you know star making match anymore yeah i feel like i i had blocked out probably because of ptsd but had forgotten (laughs) that baron corbin had won the money in the bank and but correct me if i'm wrong they gave him that simply to beat him for it like he cashed it in and looked like an idiot from my recollection yeah i think it involved it was while jinder mahal was the world champion and i believe john cena was somehow involved yeah there was some sort of screwy thing that happened where he ended up looking like an idiot so and then we had braun last year wasting the match i don't know there was like several teases for my recollection and then when he finally did cash it in he cashed it in as a face as opposed to a heel so he set up a match where he just lost um so you know in the past yeah it was pretty much a guarantee that whoever won these matches was gonna go ahead and win the title eventually and it usually was placed on a guy that you didn't necessarily expect um but now it's okay. They're going to put it based on our participants in the match. I mean, who would you, who would you look at here and say, okay, this is a person that I trust that not only are they going to give this to them, but they're not going to screw it up. (laughs) That is, that is the thing too, because they also generally, when they give somebody the briefcase decide that means we can beat them like a drum up until we give them the belt. And then we wonder why, why they're not over. Right. Sorry. And and the and the people in the match <laughs> you have well the goodness is we have two thirds of team beef in the match. That's true. Team beef strong showing here. We can we can start uh, looking at the card match by match here. We'll start with that men's money in the bank ladder match. It is Ricochet versus Drew McIntyre versus Baron Corbin, hashtag team beef, versus Ali versus Finn Balor versus Andrade. Versus Sami Zayn versus Randy Orton. On Raw Monday, they chose to take Braun Strowman out of the match, but (laughs) Dave Meltzer said on Wrestling Observer Radio that that's not an injury. It's just an angle for television. (laughs) Hey, hey, you know what would make Braun look strong? Make him look like an idiot again. That's what we like to do. That's this my idiot. favorite story, by the way, is that they took him out of that match with Brock at the Royal Rumble because they didn't want him to look weak. And then they let Baron Corbin pin him two weeks later. And he just looks at every, every turn they get, they just make him look like a big idiot. Why, under any circumstances, no matter how much you hated somebody or what, thought that you were good enough, would you put your spot on the line against Sami Zayn like he did this past Monday on Raw? In a, in a no disqualification match, yes, which which just how dumb is this character? <laughs> yeah, and that's like that's like a cardinal thing that uh, that we come back to a lot is that nobody wants to root for an idiot, <laughs> and this guy is one of your top good guys, and and we've t- and I've I've talked about this in the past because he's a giant. Braun is always going to be kept at a certain level in this company because a giant has a certain role. It's the Kane big show type. You're never going to go with him as the guy, but you would, but you don't have a lot of depth on really either side on the baby face side or the heel side at the moment. And choosing to make your baby faces look dumb. The few that you have that are very over just seems like a really questionable uh, choice. Here, here's a strategy and I get it. Like, I understand you don't want Braun being in the match because you have him built up to be this monster that can take on all comers, sort of. Uh, right. Just don't book him in the match! To be <laughs> <with>. <laughs> they didn't do qualifying matches originally. The McMahons just announced who was in the match. So right. if the McMahons hate Braun Strowman and want him out of the match, why did they put him in the match? Right makes no sense at all yeah that's that's a really that that's just a big question at the end of this is why like what right why was he in the match originally if the if the mans hate him and then why would he agree to put his spot on the line knowing that it was a no dq match and that and that the mcmahons had people in the building who they would sick on him doesn't 
Doesn't make a lot of sense, but uh, yes, that's that is the Money in the Bank match. Braun apparently not on the show, and uh, I guess of the field that's been announced, is there a name that sticks out to you as either you think they're gonna win or one that you think should win? I mean, the the obvious should win is the person that is over the most, which I feel like you could, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. Of Ricochet has been seemingly very over but they've beaten him <laughs> yes multiple times over the last two weeks rob rude beat him rob rude beat him and then who beat him somebody beat him this week uh, Team baron corbin yeah <laughs> baron corbin beat him this week yep clean so your feet. you've taken your guy that the crowd was sort of into because he's an exciting wrestler and i'm sorry superstar <laughs> and you have beaten him needlessly Okay, interesting. Um, so I would I would have said probably Ricochet or Finn. Finn's the Finn's an obvious choice because he's still over despite the fact that you have done everything that you've done to him and booked him in a <laughs> in a forever feud with Baron Corbin over the last year. Um, but I, my gut tells me they're going to give it to like McIntyre or probably Corbin just because. <laughs> They hate their fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, and we, we've come back to this, and everyone on Twitter mentions this, so we don't have to go over it in great detail, but in December, they had the McMahon family come out on television and blame <laughs> Baron Corbin for the show being bad and ratings being down. And then they just kept putting him all over the shows. <laughs> Isn't that something? It's fascinating. But, yes, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, you, you could make a case if you're trying to make a new heel. Drew's kind of already in that upper level where it doesn't feel like he needs money in the bank, but he's also been kind of stale for a while, so maybe they could see that it's helping him. Andrade seems like, I mean, how, how many years now have, we been, have they been saying we want to make a new, like, Latino star? Right. Because we can't rely on Ray forever. <laughs> Despite the fact that he's like Rey Mysterio, who's also Rey Mysterio, I mean, Rey Mysterio at forty-five or whatever he is is better than you know ninety percent of the wrestlers on the planet. But theoretically, they've been talking about wanting to build a new Latino star forever. They wanted Del Rio to be that guy. They wanted Sin Cara to be that guy. I think theoretically they want Andrade to be that guy. So you could give him money in the bank, and actually, that would be to me an example of really. Like, that's a new guy who has not previously been pushed to that level. Sure. So if you'd ask me who would I give it to, that would be, I think it would be that guy or Ricochet, as you pointed out. Um, but yes, I think McIntyre is probably the, the safe bet. Watch for that late money to go on to Baron Corbin, though. I'm just, just, just throwing that out there. Nothing would surprise me. But yeah, so running down the rest of this card, we have the Barn Burner Cruiserweight title match. Tony Nice versus Arya Daivari, which if the color beige were a match, <laughs> the color beige were a wrestling match, I think that's what this would be. Tremendous. Um, uh, yeah, this is the match that I'll be on my phone trying to come up with witty things to tweet to you. Mm-hmm. About. Same, same. But, uh, yeah, moving on, we have, uh, speaking of Rey Mysterio, Rey Mysterio challenging Samoa Joe for the U.S. title. This has actually been one of the more interesting things, I think, on television for the last month or two. Uh, they've introduced Rey's large adult son, Dominic, <laughs> and he's now sort of a television character. He was training to be a wrestler in real life. So I assume this is leading to eventually Dominic wrestling a match. Um, oh, and or Samoa Joe is going to kill him. <laughs> and either way, I'm kind of game for that. Yeah, I I was upset that this match, obviously the 14 and a half hour WrestleMania program <laughs> that we watched 12 and a half hours together of um, was uh, far too long, obviously. Sure. But, uh, you know, I think of the matches that kind of got the shaft people were looking forward to this because obviously Samoa Joe is an interesting character that in a sea of uninteresting characters stands out because he's a legitimate heel he is a great talker 
And he usually backs up when he says he's going to kick somebody's butt. He's going to yeah. do it. He's um, also a guy that I think he's like, he still cuts wrestling promos. Like, he still makes you, he still cuts promos with the intent to make you want to see his wrestling match. Very true. Absolutely. And that's, and, I think, something of a lost art. As, as many entertaining characters as there can be in WWE in modern times, not a lot of great, what I would consi- consider traditional wrestling promos. I was going to say, to that point, I think you've brought it up several times on the podcast, just the idea that every, every especially over the last, I don't know, three months, every promo is using people's real names and, oh, yeah. oh it's a shoot, brother, you know, we got <laughs> to make it real. They got to use real names and talk about their family members. And, and while this, this feud obviously includes, as you said, Ray's large adult son, there's, <laughs> it, it, they're not, you know. They're not in any way. It doesn't seem like they're. It's. It's. They're trying to pass it off as a shoot or something. So correct. Uh, and I'm interested. Obviously, like you said, Rey Mysterio still really good in the ring. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see these guys. Hopefully, they'll get longer. I mean, it is a jam packed card. There's so many matches yes. on this freaking show. You got but, two ladder oh. matches and the two title matches and two women's title matches. Right. And a steel cage match. <laughs> Right. So you imagine these guys are either, if I mean I already assume the cruiserweight match will end up on the pre-show. Uh, should we? There's probably I would would not be shocked if Ray and Joe also end up on the pre-show, which would be a shame because those guys, like I said, they got the shaft at WrestleMania with their 30 second squash match. Yes. Now they're gonna you know they're gonna get shoved to this. If anything, they should have just put this as like a main event on SmackDown. If they're gonna if they're gonna put them on the pre-show, let just let the main event of SmackDown or something. Let them have twenty minutes. Yeah, that's that's a good point. We'll we'll see about that. Uh, moving on, as you mentioned, there's a steel cage match on this show. <laughs> so Miz and Shane had a wild uh, chaotic brawl at WrestleMania that was uh, as as smoke and mirrors as smoke and mirrors comes in in modern professional wrestling and someone looked at all that and said hey those guys with a bunch of plunder and crowd brawling and crazy stunts managed to pull off a, a good match a fun memorable thing so let's put them in a cage where they can't do any of that makes perfect sense <laughs> There's also the thing where they're trying to frame the storyline that the cage means no one can interfere. And that's not what a cage match has been since like 1985. Right. That was the original purpose of a steel cage, but right. it, 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 literally people just climb the cage now. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So everyone knows like the B team and probably Bob Lashley will, will get involved in this and which, I mean, that's probably a better solution than trying to let Shane McMahon wrestle an actual wrestling match uh, based on the, how, uh, how red he turns after about 20 seconds of athletic activity. That man gets gas very quickly. <laughs> maybe you should stop working so much on his, on his MMA holds and maybe just do a little, maybe just hit the treadmill a little bit more. If there was anything that I wanted in this being a part of this podcast tonight was to hear you go off on Shane McMahon. So I'm <laughs> pretty excited. Excited. No, that by the way, that's, that's a side note. I don't think we've talked about this on the show. You know, uh, I don't know if you've heard Cal uh, ratings were like record low two weeks ago and they were also very bad the following two weeks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, much like Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash used to in the WCW days, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon have not really been on television mm-hmm. while the NBA playoffs were going on. Theoretically, then, they can come back after the playoffs are over and Raw's number goes up a little bit and maybe claim some credit for that. Not Shane. <laughs> Shane's all over both of these shows, Raw and SmackDown, every week as they are hitting record lows because he's just... He just wants his dad to say he loves him, and he'll do whatever his dad asks. He'll, he'll be in 10 segments on every show if that's what his dad wants. And He's going to give him his best out there. That's right. He always does. And comment with this match, and then we can move on, is uh, on SmackDown this week, Shane made it very clear that if The Miz got involved or even showed his face in the arena after 
he banned him from the arena in the opening segment before the handicap match between Shane and the B team and yes. whoever else versus the big dog and, and the Usos that if Miz got involved, that he would not, the match would not happen, but yes. apparently it's still on, even though Miz shows up at the end of that match and starts kicking everybody's butt. So, right. Uh, and, and you can come up with a cutesy like wording or like you said, you only said if I interfered during the match, that the match would be off, but also Shane's a heel. So screw you, dude. No, I said, right. don't come back. Right, <laughs> like but, the idea that that well, the heel has is honor bound by his word, and since he didn't exactly say these exact words, he has to uphold the stipulation. Is always a an amusing <laughs> way of looking at it. But speaking of Shane, Shane's other feud on this show with the Big Dog is uh, taking a little detour so that Roman Reigns and Elias can have a singles match, which. <laughs> We talk a lot about playing to people's strengths on these shows and hiding their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. A 20-minute singles match with Roman Reigns is not what Elias needs at this stage of his career. Nope, not at all. And I don't know why they're doing this. I, I quite frankly, I like Elias as a character. I, sure. I'm pretty much over the, oh, he's going out to do a music spot and who's going to interrupt it bit at this point. Mm-hmm. It's little played out uh, i think if they did that a little less frequently and had him he's dude can talk clearly yeah he can get action the crowd crowd always pops regardless of whether he was a heel or a face i think he's he's a born heel but this is not what anybody asked for nobody asked for roman reigns to carry he's not he's not a great in-ring worker <laughs> i can't say no. that, that there are going to be too many five-star elias matches true and like also, there's not, there's nothing wrong with being like a third match on the card guy. Sure. Like, like Elias doesn't need to go work main events with Roman Reigns, and I, I think that was like the house show loop was Roman Reigns versus Elias and main events on the SmackDown shows. Mm-hmm. And it's like that, he doesn't need to be that guy, right? Let him do his shtick and get over and have us, you know, an eight minute match with whichever mid card baby face you have. Uh, right now, or you know, whoever the Intercontinental Champion is, you don't, you don't. He doesn't need to go work twenty-minute main events with everybody. Not everybody needs to. They don't have to push everyone to that. They they simultaneously manage to push no one hard and everyone and everyone hard. <laughs> and so, like, well, Eli, if Elias has to work twenty-minute main events and work with the top guys, it's like he doesn't have to. He could just be like a second or third match on the card guy you know, U.S. title level guy, and it, I think it would be all right. But You easily could have slid these guys into the Money in the Bank ladder match, and it would have been okay. Like, why do, why do, they, have to, why do they have to have a separate feud going on that, I, I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, moving on, we have uh, Becky Two Belts is defending her two belts. I think you mean Becky belts Two is Belts, not belts. <laughs> They're titles. But they, they did belt. give her a shirt with two belts on it. Though, I know, so. which is confusing because all these years we've heard that Vince doesn't like belts. Now, yes. now she's Becky two belts? I prefer yeah. Becky Yeah, and uh, I think but, Finn said he wanted to be Finn two belts because he's the Intercontinental Champion right now. So <laughs> I guess in that context it, that word is now unbanned. So okay, <laughs> thing, you know, things change. and Absolutely. From week to week even. Yes, absolutely. But we have uh, so Becky Lynch defending against, uh, as she referred to them, the twins of Charlotte Flair. <laughs> They're wrestling for the SmackDown title, and then Lacey Evans is wrestling for the Raw title. Uh, do you think she's walking out with both belts, or do you think they're taking one off her on this show? Um, I think based on the fact, as you point out quite frequently, that they like to make Charlotte Flair is going to be the greatest female wrestler of all time. Yes. I don't see any way that Charlotte, and there's no reason for Becky to have both belts at this point, even though they're sort of doing away with brand extension and all that stuff. Wild card rule. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I would say, I would put money on Charlotte walking out as the champ. Which should be okay. an interesting match. We've never seen that match before. That's true. <laughs> and I don't know. I think 
I, I, I would not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised because of the crowd reaction, even though it's their fault that she's being overexposed and the crowd reaction has maybe dampened a little bit. Yes. And she's on every show. And so I could see them saying, well, well, damn it, pal. We gotta, we gotta get the, we gotta get her back in the chase. The, the heat is in the chase. So right. we gotta, you know, so I could see them and especially knowing that Vincent Kennedy McMahon has a type and they even went so far in storyline this week to make a joke about Charlotte and Lacey being twin sisters that I could see Becky coming out, losing both uh, through some sort of chicanery. It may not even be Lacey that walks out as champion, but they could have her lose the second belt with the woman's money in the bank ladder match winner to set up some sort of feud for raw. I don't know. That's but, true. Um, I don't know. My, that would be my safe bet. Based on the fact that they're they're probably ready to jump off the bandwagon, they're clearly not featuring women's wrestling as much as they were. That could be because of ratings, or just because they think that Becky doesn't have as much, uh, you know, heat right now. I don't know, but that's yeah. my that's my general thought. What about you? Yeah, I mean exactly what you said, and that's a big thing. Ethan always talks about is how you know Steve Austin didn't like to be on both Raw and SmackDown in the same week. He tried to keep himself, you know, as fresh as he could and tried to keep himself limited to kind of one or two segments on television a week. And putting anybody on both shows every week is going to, eventually they're going to start to seem a lot less special. And I think Becky's experienced that to a degree. And it's a possibility that Kofi Kingston or, or Daniel Bryan or Roman or any of these people could could face a similar uh, type of burnout if they're also going to be on, on both shows almost every week going forward. So that's, that's obviously something you got to look out for. As you mentioned, I do think there's going to be a cat. There's got, I think between the men and the women, somebody's getting cashed in on. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether, I mean, that scenario, that's, that's a way to protect if you're, if you really are treating Becky like a top baby face, if she wins one or, or, you know, you know, even both of those matches and then finally succumbs to the, you know, the third challenger of the night, that at least you, you've protected her in that way. So that, that would certainly be a way to get the, the belt off of her. But yeah, to me, it does. It does. To seem me, like I, they, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, sorry. I say, it just feels like with people like Becky or Daniel Bryan or anybody like that who got over, Braun is another one who got over to a level that they did not expect. They are pretty much always looking for a reason to decide that it's not working. Right. And, and to sort of uh, pull back a little bit on the reins. So I could, I could absolutely see her losing at least one of these belts on this show. I think you'll probably be able to tell what they're going to do based on whether or not they do back to back matches. Like if they book her back to back, if she wins the first one, she's definitely losing the second one in some sort of like yeah. if they book her to beat the first person, she's going to be exhausted. They're going to do a injury angle or something. And then, you know, the second match is immediately following, you know, there's going to be some sort of chicanery that happens from somebody that comes out, whether it's, you know, the, the heel winning because of that or the cash in or something. But I could, yeah. I think you're going to be able to a lot just based on where where on the card it is and whether or not they do both matches back to back. Also, that's a heck of a lot of exposure for Becky Lynch, <laughs> two matches back to back. Yeah, I, you imagine one goes like tw- I'm guessing the Charlotte match will go like 25 minutes, and then the the Lacey match will be you know seven or eight. Smoke and, then- and mirrors. Yeah, so that's 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 a lot. That's a lot for anyone to be out in that ring for for that length of time. Uh, but speaking of, we we've kind of danced around the uh, the the women the idea of a women's cash in. We have mm-hmm. the women's money in the bank ladder match coming up. It's fresh up and comer Natalia taking on Dana <laughs> Brooke, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Bailey, Mandy Rose, Ember Moon, and Carmella, and. I hope everyone's careful. <laughs> I I can just see like I'm the only thing I would bet on in this if I like I have no idea who's going to win this match. So sure. if I would if I was going to bet on it, I would bet that Ember Moon does her finisher off of the off of the ladder. Sure. And 
we all hold our breath for a second and hope that she didn't kill whoever she did it she, on. Or she didn't break her own tailbone. That too, yes. Because that's that's going to be an incredible spot and that's an incredible finisher. But, man. <laughs> the, I mean, Hulk the Hogan can't walk and he did just a regular leg drop. Right. You know, right. Matt Matt Hardy and and Steve Austin had like back and knee issues, and they didn't and they weren't doing essentially leg drops off the top rope every night. Yeah. Well, Matt was, but like Austin, you know, Austin, Austin's stunner wasn't off the top rope, and he still ended up pretty banged up and with a bad neck. And so, yeah, it doesn't seem like a, a finisher that's designed for longevity. Yeah, I think, I mean, if I had to pick a winner, though, for the... Like, I feel like none of these women (laughs) have done anything with any of these women. Which I guess you could say the same thing about the men. But they really haven't pushed or done anything with any of these women of note. Other than protecting Alexa, who lost a match a couple weeks ago because of a shoe gimmick. Yes. For whatever reason. Somebody uh, has somebody on the writing staff has a foot fetish. I'm guessing. Okay, I somebody told I I read someplace that it was because it happened in the same building where the guy from Duke stepped through his tennis shoes and they thought it would okay. be okay. That that could also be it, but yeah. Anyway, but regardless, um, I, I don't I don't know how I could pick any of these people to win this match. I I guess Alexa would be the the front runner because they protect her so well. But sure. I don't um, feel like anybody else is over. I mean, sure, but I, I could see. I think Mandy is the. That's my pick. I think that's. She's the closest thing to like an up and comer because everyone else was either like is kind of already at like a, a has been or never was type right. level. Right. You have you have the Dana Brooke who is, you know, was a was a pet project that never got off the ground. You have Ember Moon who's been on the main roster for like 18 months now they've never done anything with. And then you have, yeah, you have Bailey and Natalia and Naomi who were all, you know, and Carmella who were all popular and over and pushed pretty heavily at one point, but have all kind of been in that weird state of limbo for the past, uh, I don't know, two years or so. So yeah, I think, I think Alexa and Mandy are probably the two safest bets out of everybody there. And moving on to the last two, the the title matches, the heavyweight championships. You have Kofi Kingston versus Kevin Owens. Uh, Kofi's first uh, big title defense. Actually, they did two on television. I was going to say, he's done nothing but defend this belt. That's true. Uh, they they hot shot at the Daniel Bryan match. They also had him defeat two Raw guys for the title. His, uh, his first pay-per-view singles match since winning the title is with Kevin Owens, who they seemingly rushed to turn because they were unclear or unsure of when Daniel Bryan was coming back. Mm-hmm. And so at least that was always my instinct on it because they, they seemed to be doing a lot and trying to invest quite a bit in, in Kevin Owens' babyface family man and then very suddenly turned him and... Uh, and now he's back to being, uh, you know, sort of vicious bully Kevin Owens. But I mean, I think this will be a good match. But if it's sandwiched between two ladder matches and an hour of Becky Lynch wrestling uh, the teachers' pets, it could it uh, it could be it could be a rough go for them on the card. So I guess this could also be a litmus test of uh, how this Kofi experiment is going. Because if he manages to keep the crowd invested in his match and and keep them wanting to see him with the championship. That's probably a good sign for him, but could be a tall order on a show that's going to be long and have a lot of long matches on it. Yeah, if I were Kofi, I would champion for this match to be put early on in the card, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere before uh, before one of the ma- women's matches, or Money in the Bank matches, or immediately following Roman Reigns versus Elias, someplace where <laughs> has a chance to yeah. to breathe a little bit and it's not a, a gimmick you know like the steel after a gimmick like the steel cage or yeah i would cha- if i were him i would champion this to go on first or one of the one of the earlier matches because we know it's not going to be the main event right. and like you said it's just it's destined to be a dead zone for the for the crowd which could you know, could certainly hamper it. With that said, I think Kofi. I mean, he's he his title run thus far. 
I'm not completely sold on the Owens line uh, storyline. I think you're right. I think they rushed him the turn a little bit, but makes sense if, if like you said, if they thought that Brian was going to be out for a longer period of time. But I think that people like him as champ. He's over clearly. Yeah, getting a good reaction. They've booked him pretty strong. Even even up to this week, you know, this past week on SmackDown, where he and you know he and Kevin are going, he's trying to go at alone and sort of teasing. I don't know. Are they teasing a a New Day feud here with him saying telling telling Xavier Woods on SmackDown that he wanted to face Kevin Owens by himself? It seems like they definitely want to tease some of that, and whether or not they pull the trigger on it or not down the line. Uh, you, I mean, you, that's, that's any generally in WWE teams exist to break up. So the idea that they've even stayed together for, you know, what is it almost, you know, four years now or whatever mm-hmm. is, is pretty incredible. So, um, yeah, I could see them potentially turning at least biggie when he comes back from his injury. Um, well, that, we'll see. I think like, yeah, I think right now. They're also really, I will say, to their credit, they have booked Kofi Kingston. They're not booking him like Rey Mysterio or, in fact, or Daniel Bryan uh, or some of their other sort of small underdog world champions. He's, you know, standing right up to everybody and he's getting, you know, he's beating people clean with his moves. So they are, so far at least, they are really try- seemingly really trying to give him an honest-to-God shot at being like a top guy. Which is which is a breath of fresh air, definitely. And then the uh, the final match on the show that we're talking about here: Seth Rollins and AJ Styles for the Universal Title. They actually showed footage from these guys wrestling in the NWA in like 2008 or whatever it was on uh, on Raw this week. And yeah, I guess this would be like one of the few AJ Styles dream matches that's left in WWE, right? I mean, obviously they have wrestled before so it's not maybe not technically the normal definition of a dream match but such as they are in present day these two characters have not met and that's i guess this is one of the last types of matches like that for aj yeah um you know you you have very few few people obviously the amount of time that he spent on smackdown and then they moved some of the people that were on raw to smackdown but there's wild card now so we don't know if some of those guys <laughs> He's going to feud with in the future, but yeah, um, I think this is this is has the potential to be a good a, a good to great match. I think it depends also if this is going to be the one that closes it out. Is the crowd into it? Are they out? Are they you know are they into it? Are they out of it? Are they exhausted by this point because it's a five and a half hour wrestling show and right. they've been in the arena since six o'clock to watch <laughs> the pre-show. Um, also, I don't know. Sni- smells like I think if they were going to do a, a cash in and they don't do the women's cash in, they're definitely going to do, especially if, if Baron Corbin wins and you're looking to set up because I, from what I read, they were looking to set up a, a Rollins Corbin feud for the summer. And it seemed, seemed to me like they rushed into a AJ Rollins feud very quickly. So whether you're going to do the three of them feuding over the next several months or it's just Corbin and, and Rollins, I, I think this is unfortunately the time, <laughs> or whoever wins the... I, my, I'm just supposing yeah, it's going to be... Drew or, or, or Corbin, if one of those guys wins, this seemingly could be a spot for, for them. And of course, this is always the most, you know, one of the more interesting parts of the show is what goes on after what. So if, you know, if they leave the, the men's ladder match till last, then obviously that's not necessarily an issue for either... Right for either the the world title matches but right if if this passed or if just the men's match goes on earlier and the women main it's it's uh it's certainly going to be interesting to see that that's match placement is always uh important when it comes to this money in the bank show yeah do you feel like i mean do you feel seth's gonna retain i mean that that's that's to me if there is an interference yeah i mean i i don't yeah i i don't see AJ winning here. I just don't see a scenario where he walks out with the belt. So I, I, I kind of think I could see, I could see Seth retaining and then whoever cashing in uh, on Raw the 
or something. I do think the cash in will probably, like we said, come quickly for seem to not want to have two people with briefcases on TV. So usually either between the man or the woman, one of them, one of those will get cashed in relatively quickly. But yeah, I don't, I don't really have a strong feel for whether or not that means Seth's getting cashed in on or, or whether or not that just means that they're, they're just going to go, they're just going to go in the direction of a, of a Seth drew or Seth, uh, Corbin match from here on out. It's that might be the most, I don't know if intriguing is even the right word, but <laughs> the least, the, the least clear thing to me, I would say is, uh, is where they would be going with, with Seth post this show. Makes sense. All right. That, that is the money in the bank show. Uh, as you mentioned, it'll be about seven hours long, and, <laughs> but hopefully there will be some good wrestling and Hey, they may even surprise us and actually give the briefcase to uh, an up and coming star. You just never know in the world of wrestling federation. Uh, but moving on here, a few other WWE topics before we move on to the rest of the world of wrestling. Uh, Lars Sullivan had a, he had himself a week. Yeah. He had a not too good week, didn't he, Liam? Yeah, he was, uh, so a bunch of forum posts. I, I feel I have heard of this before this week. Like this has come up on like wrestling Twitter before, that there were pre him working for WWE, there were a lot of forum posts that people somehow figured out were his that said, in addition to him, you know, the, the, the least interesting stuff is him like bad mouthing wrestlers that he works with. Now the most, obviously the, the, the worst stuff is the stuff where he said things that were, could really only be construed as racist, uh, sexist, um, a lot of bad things about yeah oh, certain well, races, Rick. certain religions. Uh, he had some interesting thoughts about rape. Um, yeah, so they WWE announced this week that they have fined him and they are sending him to sensitivity training. Now I'm fascinated that they paid the guy for something he did before he worked there, and that's something that allegedly they already knew about. But I guess they felt like that's what the, that that was what this warranted. Um, but it's, I mean, you know, as you pointed out to me off the air, the the Universal Champion used to date a girl who liked to do Nazi photo shoots. So, <laughs> you know, yep. And while while hundred thousand all that a hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money, and seems like I mean, to me. The most I've ever heard wrestlers being fined that they've disclosed is maybe a you know a couple thousand dollars here or there. Um, Hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money, no matter who you are, if you're a professional wrestler or not. However, he's still employed. Yeah, that's 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 a lot of money for a guy who was working a developmental contract until very recently. So. I mean, that's, I guess that's, they're trying to crack down on this in a way that they think will, I guess, discourage people from, but again, it's like, I, 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 it's just a weird, it was just a weird way to handle it. I thought based on the fact that it happened before he worked there. And so I, like, I and I'm not, I'm not even necessarily advocating that he should have been fired or whatever. It was just a weird, I just thought the the monetary fine was a, was a weird way to go. Yeah. I feel, I don't feel like that that's completely normal too, that they disclose that what their fining system is. I, um, you know, they'll usually disclose if somebody violates a wellness policy, how long they're suspended for or something like that. Right. But I, I feel like it's usually the, the, like Dave at the observer and stuff are the, usually the ones that come up with the numbers. Maybe I'm wrong, but Seemed, yeah, to publicly announce that they fined him $100,000 seemed like a CYA for any any sort of advertisers that may have been concerned about backlash or whatever. Yeah, but, uh, you know, moving on. It's, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you move <laughs> on from, like, <laughs> racism and sexism. and But uh, it's a wrestling show, so we're <laughs> trying to keep it going. got to keep the flow of the thing going. We have the... Announced this week for WWE Super Showdown in, in Jeddah, which is in Saudi Arabia, if you didn't know. Um, 
they announced Goldberg versus The Undertaker for this show. <laughs> That's right, folks. A a dream match 15 to 20 years ago uh, is taking in the all taking place in the alternate universe known as the Saudi Arabia shows. Uh, outside the general continuity of the WWE. This, of course, is where uh, Shawn Michaels is still an active wrestler, and Yokozuna is still alive, and (laughs) um, Braun Strowman isn't an idiot, and they they have the Royal Rumble that is the greatest of all the Royal Rumbles. Yeah, they had more guys. That's how you know it was great. Yep. So yeah, it's I, I I always just thought about this at the end of it. It's like, man, don't you think Sting just wishes he had waited a couple more years to come? Because <laughs> one, Seth wouldn't have tried to kill him, and two, then he could have had his match. Even if WWE didn't want to book it on a show, they would have booked it for one of these shows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, if Sting can get him get himself cleared by a doctor, who knows? The Saudis, the Saudis love their '90s wrestling stars. So, uh, I think was I see was you who brought it up, or somebody else who brought it up. That I think it was on last week's show that Goldberg being Jewish and going to the Saudi yes. Arabian territory, whether or not they have any thoughts on that or any like self awareness. Yeah, that's that's we we talked about that a little bit last week, but it's it's a. Uh... It's interesting. It's interesting that uh, that he would choose to come back and uh, on on this show of all shows. But uh, obviously, the money's quite good. So, <laughs> hey, that's that's what the wrestling business is, right? I guess we just need a reminder of that sometimes. Yeah, Vince will not miss another chance to bury WCW. Of course not. <laughs> well, that's the other thing too. It's like Undertaker's definitely winning. Oh, he's going over, and I mean, and you can't imagine this match is, it's a, if it's a singles match, both yeah. guys are not built for a match longer than four and a half minutes. So, well, we last saw Goldberg two years ago, and he got himself in very good shape to have one match every like three months mm-hmm. and to cut, cut some good promos and he could do a spear and a jackhammer still. And the Undertaker allegedly is in, you know, better shape than he was the last few few years, but mm-hmm. he's still a. Uh, I know, I know, the jet black hair makes you think he's a young man, but he's actually in his fifties. <laughs> he's actually in his fifties, believe it or not. No way. <laughs> so that man has jet black hair. Yes, that's how, that's how you can tell he's a young man. But yeah, so I can't imagine what this what this match would be between Goldberg, a guy who is like well known for like super high impact, fast pace, you know, you know, quick, you know, boom, 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 finish over uh, type matches working with worth working with present day Undertaker. It's it's fascinating. I think there probably are people who would not normally watch the Saudi show that are just are going to be so curious what this thing will look like, even if they aren't excited for the match. I think they're just going to be like, well, I got I to gotta see what they do. Like, that's so bizarre that they would put that together in this day and age. It's like when the, there's a viral video and it says, you know, don't watch this before eating or something like that, or, you know, danger, you know, beware explicit details or explicit yes. coming up. It's like, there's a certain segment of the population that is going to be like, well, I now I got to see it. I got to know what it <laughs> looks like. You know, when a guy chopped his hand off in a wood chipper, like I want to know what that looks like. Right. So in some some ways, yes, I think the WWE is marketing to that segment of people. It's like I want to know what know. it looks like when a fifty year old battles a fifty five year old, and one of them can't walk and hasn't had a good match in five years. And the other one has had three matches in the last 12 years, you know, yeah. or 13 years. It's fascinating. It's an absolutely fascinating thing. And wrapping up the WWE news here, there's a, um, this, this variety piece that they did on Vince McMahon, where they just, they just give him a tongue bath. Like they just, <laughs> the brilliant creative man, the one man who's ever figured out pro wrestling on television is Vince McMahon 
and what a genius he is. And look at these Giants rights fee contracts he signed. They don't mention about how uh, in every important demographic, <laughs> their ratings are falling more rapidly than any other show <laughs> in, uh, that has the level of viewership they have. They don't mention uh, that their wrestlers aren't you know, full employees or anything like that. It's just what a great and smart and cool guy Vince McMahon is. And don't you just wish that maybe like more mainstream journalists would like educate themselves just a tiny bit or like call somebody like David Dixonspan or Dave Meltzer or somebody for comment on a story like this so they know they're not being railroaded? Yeah, it's, I mean, if you go back to the piece that John Oliver did for HBO, and while I thought it was interesting, you can clearly see that it didn't, it didn't make the impact that one would have hoped it would, because right. nothing changed. Right. There's no wrestling union, there's no health benefits for the, the wrestlers. In fact, it's, it's, it's sort of, the, the irony is, it's sort of touched on in this article, they mention it by name, the John Oliver, but it, it doesn't seem like they addressed the whole issue about it. They sort of softballed it. Like, they don't tell you what they asked Vince McMahon. They just kind of give his reply of, oh, well, our wrestlers can take off whenever they want to. It's very right. easy to get them in and out of storylines. Uh, meanwhile, Which is also hilarious because on the last conference call with their shareholders, Vince McMahon blamed business being down on wrestlers being injured. And, and that's, you know, so the idea that, oh, guys can just leave whenever they want and, and we'll, and we'll figure it out. And that's all fine is not what he was saying when he was uh, speaking to the people that hold him accountable uh, <laughs> because he is in charge of their money in a roundabout way. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how that narrative changed uh, from week to week, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was embarrassing. Like I, I read it and I didn't know what to expect. And it's, yeah, you, until somebody is willing and a legitimate journalist, and I'm not saying that the people that do hold them accountable, I shouldn't say legitimate journalists until, like you said, a mainstream journalist is willing to hold them accountable and take them to task on all of the BS. The fact that he refers to them as talent and they don't mention the fact that, like you said, that they aren't full-time employees, that they still have the uh, independent contractor BS. In 2019, a Carney-type setup, yes. these guys, so that Vince can protect himself and their company from having to pay more money to these folks or provide, you know, health care or <laughs> minimum things that businesses typically provide for their employees. Right. Uh, you know, the it's it, it was embarrassing. And like you said, they don't mention I, I think they may they they mentioned WCW, but there's not a not a mention of AEW or the fact that uh, there's you know a, a rival company that has started that is like it or not, is going to influence the WWE for years to come. Sure. And, um, yeah, it, it was in the way that, like, the, the, you know, amounts of money they're offering people to resign and things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the fact that that just is kind of glossed over and it's more of a, you know... A... It almost feels like they asked him about it and he just started talking about WCW. And maybe that's what happened, and he was just trying to compare them, and it's just the way the article was structured that for whatever reason they don't mention AEW by name. But um, yeah, it was it was just it was such a a fascinating piece and really sort of an insight into I guess what the real world, quote unquote, outside of these wrestling bubbles that we're in, uh, when they look at Vince McMahon and see that and. Yeah, them talking about how intricately crafted all of their storylines are and <laughs> how you know, droves and droves of fans are buying tickets and, and watching on television every week is, uh, well... They tout, it, they tout a, 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 like a 2.8 or a 3 million viewers or whatever as like a huge win. They don't yes. talk about the fact that, you know, 15 or 20 years ago there was twice or three times what, what there were... Uh, watching multiple wrestling products. Right. 
just right. There was twenty years between ago. WCW and WWF. There were like ten million people watching wrestling every week. Right. And now there's two and a half million on you know on a good week. You know, on there good... were some of those again. We talked about going up against the NBA playoffs and stuff. They're they they they're dropping below two on certain weeks. So yeah, I just I just thought that was interesting. We've talked about that before when it comes to other things. Uh, you know, you you'd love to see somebody uh, you know talk about about some of this stuff. Talk about the Saudi Arabia stuff. Uh, you know, maybe a, you know a reporter reaching out to maybe some of their larger sponsors like Mattel or Susan G. Komen or. And really kind of putting those, you know, the big sponsors on the spot and asking them for comments on some of this stuff, I think would be also a way to go. But that's... Well, they even let them off the hook in the article about the Saudi stuff. They mentioned the Saudi stuff, but they give them the out by him saying, oh, we had to hold up our end of the contractual agreement. Like... Oh, and... and Multi-millionaires are always being forced to do things they don't want to do. Right, right. It, yeah, it's it's if you want to go read a a somebody giving McMahon, Vince McMahon a very loving um, <laughs> oral stimulation, know. yes, then read the Variety article that they wrote that they released this week. Yeah, speaking of AEW, as we're wrapping up here, the last few notes. AW seems like this Turner Networks deal is is pretty much a done deal. It's likely that. Their Double or Nothing show, uh, which we're like two weeks out. They still haven't officially announced where you can watch that in the United <laughs> States, as far as the streaming goes. Anyway, they, I mean, they've announced that it's going to be on, I think, most uh, cable and satellite providers. But I would assume the lion's share of people who are going to watch the show are going to do so from uh, some sort of streaming device. And as of now, they haven't officially announced that, but... Based on this Turner Network deal, Turner uh, owns the Bleach Report, Bleacher Report streaming service, so likely it'll end up there. Uh, I guess as as a fan, are you excited to see what AEW goes? Do you feel like it's maybe too many inmates running the asylum here? Like, are you, I guess how how does your how do you look at AEW currently? Yeah, I I think. Competition has to create something. I've um, been listening to a lot of the old podcasts from Bruce Pritchard and even dabbled in a little bit of Eric Bischoff to a to an extent, uh, mm-hmm. his podcast. And the one thing that, that stands out to me is that competition, which isn't anything new, everybody knows this, but competition is going to be good for the wrestling business, whether it creates what lights a fire under the WWE to get serious about creating new stars and not just resting on their laurels and writing good, coherent, consistent television that makes you want to tune in. Great. That that's, that's sure to be a side effect or, or has to be a side effect. If the WWE expects to succeed Uh, on the opposite side, AEW getting a major television network is also great for business because if the WWE sees them as a legitimate competitor, which depending on what day and who you ask seems to be how they generally responded and not wanting to let talent go and the contracts that they're offering certain talent. Yeah. They clearly see that there's something there. They, there has to be something there. Otherwise they wouldn't have a major network television deal. Um, so I, if it's good, it's good. It's all good for the business. Whether this turns into the next TNA and having being mismanaged, I, I don't know. I don't know if Cody and the Young Bucks are cut out to be long-term storybookers and whether or not they're going to surround themselves with people that are able to write good, consistent television from week to week. Uh, yeah, that, that's yet to be seen. I think by bringing in guys, hopefully they'll they've learned enough from what they've done thus far and the, the places that they've worked in ROH and new Japan and all the other Indies that they've worked in, in writing storylines and having Jericho on, on, you know, on board too certainly can't hurt, but I, I don't know. It, my opinion is I'm excited to see. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not expecting them to, to ignite any sort of like re Monday night wars or any of that <laughs> stuff. I don't think it's going to be any, anywhere close to that. Um, but it, it can't hurt the business. That's for sure. Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it. It's 
uh, it's it'll be interesting when we finally get the official announcement and and everything. But it's it's it yeah, it's just a bunch of big question marks. But as you mentioned, uh, complacent is a really good word for how most WWE product has been for the last several years, and anything to kind of shake up the the larger the larger wrestling world seems like a good thing at this point. And uh, finally, this week, I just want to mention very quickly. Uh, the the legendary Bret Hart versus Tom McGee match was finally released and put on the WWE Network. They did a little documentary about it as well. Um, did you get a chance to watch it before uh, before we recorded this week? I have not seen the thing in its entirety. I saw a couple clips on Twitter, uh, some of the highlights or, or lowlights, depending on which side of the <laughs> which side of the match you're looking at. But I did read David Bixon's band's uh, review of the of it today uh, while I was at work, and uh, huh. he, you know he he I like how he put it. He said, you know, it's not going to be if your expectations are that it's going to be the best thing that you've ever saw seen, or that it's worth the wait. He said it may not be. It's not the perfect. It's certainly not a perfect match in that in showcasing Bret Hart, uh, but it does a lot of what your ex. It probably won't meet your expectations, but it. We'll meet them in some areas, I guess, is, is ultimately what he said. Did you get a chance to see it? I did. And all well, the things I really liked about it, about the documentary and the match itself, was it really, they, the narrative they really crafted was, and I think it was Cassius Ono who said, it's well, when this match happened, Vince McMahon looked at it and said, I've got my next world champion. And he was right, but he was just looking at the wrong guy. <laughs> and it's like it was much more it wasn't and part of that was because they actually did interview uh tom mcgee mm-hmm. for it they, it wasn't a hit job or a, like let's all point and laugh at the guy who sucked mm-hmm. it was much more of a celebration of how great bret hart was which as a you know an all-time bret hart fan was really cool to see and in modern wwe bret isn't necessarily given a lot of shine based on who he's not friends with. Right. And it was cool to see like a special that was kind of just talking about how great Brett was at, at laying matches out at playing to his opponent's strengths. And it's, it's a different type of carry job than the, the Shawn Michaels or the Ric Flair type where you just kind of bounce, you know, where those guys kind of as good as they were their their thing was kind of just, you know, I'll flop around and do a bunch of crazy stuff and you'll just kind of be there to, you know, to catch me, catch me when I'm doing all my crazy stuff and, uh, or playing to the crowd or whatever. And Brett really built this little match all around making Tom McGee look like a big star, making him look like he could be the next guy. Whereas if you watch that match, you're like, yeah, of course, look at (laughs) the way this guy looked. He just had a good match. You know, he's, he's green, but he'll be, he'll be great one day. You can totally see, uh, what what they saw in that moment, and it's like, yeah, that's that's because there are very few guys in the history of wrestling that are better at putting matches together than Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and the, I think the thing that Bixen Spam pointed out in his article was that, unlike a lot of times today, and I know it's a point that you and Ethan make a lot, is that they Bret built the match around hiding the weaknesses, McGee's weaknesses, and highlighting the areas where he was strong as opposed to the opposite, which happens far too often in in today's day and age. So not only is it a clinic as far as how you can do that with somebody, but it was also in a weird way, sort of an indictment on how things are sort of done in today's day and age. I mean, we, I mean, that's, that's an old talking point is how, how samey a lot of WWE matches are in the way they're put together. You know, you do your your shine, you get your heat, and then you go. You know, you do your near falls, and and some not every guy is built for that type of match, and I think a lot of people suffer because of that, and uh, kind of don't don't flourish in the WWE system as well as they possibly could. And yeah, exactly what you said. It was an example of Brett really highlighting what this guy did well, and it's uh, you know, and 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 showing, and it really made it a showcase for this guy and. Yeah, it, was, it was just really cool to see, and uh, as as we're wrapping up here, my favorite thing I've ever heard is, or at least uh, this week, was when the interviewer asks Sean Waltman how good Bret Hart was, and X and uh, X Pac Sean Waltman looks at the interviewer and goes, 
as good as he says, as good as he said he was. And I was like, <laughs> you're damn right. That's how Absolutely. good Bret Hart was. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, thank you very much, Cal, for filling in this week for Ethan. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled program next week where we'll talk all about money in the bank and, and whatever other insane news. God knows what they're going to book for that Saudi show for the rest of that's only one match we have so far, but <laughs> God knows what could happen in the next uh, six days or six hours from when you hear this podcast. So we'll be back to regular uh, back to normal next week, but thank you very much Cal for filling in. And until next week, I'm Liam. I'm not Ethan. I'm Cal. <laughs> and we'll be back soon. Well, we won't be back. You know what I mean. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. I try to keep on keeping on.